0: For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
2: Welcome in to a very special edition of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam. I know what you're thinking. It's not Thursday. What are these two idiots doing on my computer screen? Well, hey, listen, we we, we always wanna hook you guys up and when we feel like we've got really great content for you, we don't want you to have to wait for it. So today, Matt Verran, we we had a really great interview. The cat's out of the bag now. It was Brett Veach, GM of the Kansas City Chiefs. Pretty cool uh, to have him on and, and to chat with him. Obviously, he's a busy man, so we couldn't get him on here live. We're going to play that for you in just a minute. But just real quick before we get into it, what would you think of the conversation overall, Matt?
3: I thought it was great. Brett was really, really nice to join us for about 12 or 13 minutes. Talked about the rookie class talked about Juju Schmidt-Schuster, his philosophy, and also I thought a really fascinating and to my knowledge, never heard before story about Willie Gay and Nick
2: Bolton and how one helped to draft the other. Yeah, really interesting little tidbit from that interview, along with a lot of other really interesting things. I've always liked listening to Brett speak when he does speak and gives press conference interviews and things like that, which he doesn't do a lot. So we were really thankful to have a, a few minutes of his time. Um he's just always really thoughtful in his responses and uh you get a lot of insight. He's he's pretty open too, which I think is really cool. Some GMs play things you know a little bit closer to the to the chest. But um Brett's really great. So we're gonna get to that in just a minute. Welcome to everybody in the chat. Before we do. I got to let you know. Got to pay the bills and uh, tell you that our sponsor is the Kansas City Beer Company. You guys know this. Uh, We're brought to you by at Casey Beer Co. on Twitter. Uh, They're the largest independently owned brewery in Kansas City and the only brewery that focuses on German beer style. So check them out. They make all their beer with just four ingredients, malt, hops, water, and yeast. It's delicious. You know, you see us drinking it here on the show. I had one this weekend. It was fantastic. Um, look for the red Casey Beerco cartons in your local store and support the Arrowhead Attic podcast and content like this by supporting at Casey beer Co. and do us a favor and give them a shout out on Twitter. Dare to beer different. All right. With that, I think we should just get right into it, what you're all here uh, to, to see, and that is the interview with Brett Veach. So our producer, Richard, will go ahead and roll that. We'll see on the other side, and we'll kind of break down what he said.
3: I'd like to welcome a special guest to the Arrowhead Attic podcast. Needs no introduction, but I'll give him a short one anyway. He was a 1996 Pennsylvania Small School Player of the Year and a two-time champ in high school. He also happens to be the Chief General Manager, Brett Veach. Brett, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing great, great, and I, I certainly appreciate uh, appreciate the in- the Mount Carmel High School introduction. That, that I haven't gotten that in a while, so that was uh, that was pretty cool.
3: I had I had to give you something a little bit different, uh, a little bit you know fun off the top. But I want to <laughs> like I want to ask you. You guys are wrapping up camp. You're leaving St. Joe's here as we're recording today on a Wednesday, and I'm I'm curious. Of the players you've gotten to see, now you've seen them for three weeks and change. Uh, Who's maybe exceeded your
4: expectations in camp and stood out to you a little bit? Well, I would say you know that's a little tricky to answer, just because you know on one end, you know we we have been here for a while, but you know we did only play one game, and and we have two more preseason games to go, and we have another couple weeks um, until the start of the season. So there's there's a lot of football left. I will say this: with all the new players we had. specifically talking about this draft class, I think the one thing that's been really exciting and encouraging for us is how quickly these young guys have gotten up to speed and, and as you know that a lot of guys and, and producing year one has to do with certainly their talent level, but also how quickly they can process the playbook at up to speed. And I would say that over the last few years, that you know, this class has been right up there uh, at the top with the playbook, with the coach's comfort level. And I think you guys have seen early on, whether it be practice or, or even the first preseason game, that a lot of these young guys are getting out there and, and, and they're playing with the, you know, the ones and the twos. And so I think that has been um, the most exciting aspect for me right now. And I think you also throw in the fact that we've had, it was a large draft class. So it wasn't a small draft class where you had three or four guys and we had a lot of draft picks and, you know, some, some really good undrafted free agents. But I think the fact that as a whole, uh, the group has come here and, and they've shown that, A, that, you know, the game isn't, isn't too big for them. And then B, that they can get up to speed and, and, and gain that coaches trust has been encouraging. And it's going to be exciting to see the last few weeks, these guys will get more opportunities. And, uh, you know, as we get closer to the start of the season, I think you know, that'll play out in regards to, you know, the play time and, and just how productive these guys will be. But I think all signs indicate that these guys are, are, are going to be able to come in and, and or I should say most of these guys and, and help us right away.
2: That's exciting. Uh, Brett. Now, you've been the GM of the Chiefs for about five years and you've had a lot of success. What, I wanted to ask you, what's the single biggest lesson that you've learned so far in the role that if, if you could go back and talk to yourself on day one of the job that you would relay?
4: <laughs> well, I, I think right off the bat is always uh, expect the unexpected in this position. You know, it was funny. I had a chance last Friday to catch up with Ryan Poles um, for dinner in Chicago. And um, he, uh, he sent me the restaurant information and um, got a ride there. And I, you know, I was waiting. He was like 15 minutes late and he came in and he sat down and, um, you know, obviously we're excited to see each other and, and talk some football, but about 10 minutes into the into the dinner. I mean, his phone's going off and he's removing himself from the table and talking and, and he just sat down and, and I just started laughing. And I said, well, welcome to the job because that's kind of what happens <laughs> in this profession where, you know, you grow up and you watch football and you watch tape, tape, tape. And then you quickly realize that it's called general manager for a reason. And and you're dealing with so many different things, you know, that, that's not just tape and personnel related. I mean, there's so many different things that come across your, your tape. But I will say that Knowing when you're in this position how to, to deal with different people in different departments, I always tell young people I get a chance to talk to, and they ask about any information or insight I can give them. And I would just say that, you know, your ability to communicate with, with people and, and show your appreciation for, you know, different organizations within the department. I think one of the advantages that I had was my first position in the league was coach's assistant. And, you know, coaches assistants at, at this level are basically glorified GA positions, and, you know, you're doing a lot of different things for different department members and you're stocking fridges and you're picking up people at airports and you're doing different things. But I think early on, I got to interact with so many different members of different staffs, right? So I was helping the training staff out with stuff early on and the coaching staff and and doing some stuff for the, the, you know, the marketing and the media, all that kind of stuff. And I just got a great appreciation for how hard each of those departments work. And so when you're in this position, you also know that all those departments play a huge role in, you know, Getting the players to game day and getting them ready for you know to do what they do, and there's a lot of distractions, and so I just think that the combination of you know always keeping your cell phone on vibrate and 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 knowing how to to, you know, work with department members um, throughout the building and, and having that appreciation and communication at all times is, is critically important in, in this position.
3: You know, Brett, you mentioned at the top, some of the draft classes of recent years. And I want to talk about uh, one guy each from each of the previous two, which are your linebackers and Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. Both guys have come in and really done a nice job. Bolton as a rookie last year, coming on stronger and stronger with each game. Willie Gay. Really stepping into his role last year seems like he's having a very strong camp. But I'm interested in those two guys have very different backgrounds. Obviously, Bolton at Missouri was a guy who played for a couple of years, had a lot of snaps under his belt. Willie Gay did not have nearly as many snaps under his belt, played very limited time at Mississippi State, only a handful of games. And they have different skill sets, and yet you felt confident and comfortable in drafting both guys with premium picks in the second round. I'm curious, despite their backgrounds being so different, the players being different in a lot of ways, What led you to feeling like, you know what, both of these guys fit what I'm looking for?
4: Well, it's funny. I was just having a conversation uh, with Charles Davis about those two linebackers. They have kind of a unique chemistry. You know, those guys knew each other a little bit before their times at at Missouri and Mississippi State. But if I rewind time back to maybe weeks before Nick Bolton was drafted, Uh, I had a chance to... Bumped into Willie Gay maybe a week or two before the draft, and and you know he he kind of bumped me on how everything was going and the draft and what it looked like, and he asked me if he was if I was looking at linebackers, and I said you know we're gonna keep our eyes out for all positions, and I kind of jokingly said why, and and typically you know when you ask a young guy they're hoping you draft guys in different positions, right? And he kind of said you should make sure you take an extra look at this Bolton kid, and it was almost like this kind of on one end you knew that they had a prior rapport, but on the other end it was almost like those two were made to play with each other, and they complement each other so well. I mean you have. A guy like Nick Bolton, as you mentioned, Matt, I mean, just played a ton of snaps. It's super smart, super instinctive, and he's really kind of grown into the leader of that defense and, and gets everyone in the right position. And then you have a guy like Willie Gay that is just a phenomenal, incredible athlete that has just tremendous range, speed, and it's almost like those guys, you know, have a chemistry together and, you know, Nick gets Willie where he needs to be and Willie knows that and, and they play off each other. And Nick knows that if he can put Willie in certain positions, you know, he can do things that most linebackers can't. And I think, so, it's been cool to see how this process started with, you know, you know, Willie kind of just, bringing that up just out of the blue and it kind of took me by surprise to us being able to draft him and then seeing those guys get a chance to to really cut it loose toward the end of last year now having a full off season working together and 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 I think you see early on it looks like it's a it's a special combination there but we're excited to have both those guys for sure
5: as a golfer for years I've been hearing pxg say nobody makes golf clubs like they do period you know what they're right I went in for a fitting and saw it for myself, went in to swing the PXG Black Ops driver. And let me be honest. I was skeptical. Well, again, I, I loved my old driver. I had a uh another very popular big name brand. I love my driver, but they brought me in just to to put it to the test. The PXG driver, it won. It was, I don't know, seven to ten yards longer. The dispersion was better. And the fitting experience was legitimately phenomenal. You know, I went in being a skeptic and I came out being a true believer. It feels like a premium club in your hand. And not just that, the, the ability of, of the actual fitting process blew me away. We went from extra stiff to regular stiff shaft. We tried out different weights on the shaft. We tried different shafts in general. Um, We we were messing with the weights in the driver going from a 10.5-degree driver down to a 9. As someone who has a high launch angle, who gets a lot of loft and height on their ball, I needed something that was a little lower, so we moved the weights to the front of the club. It, It was such a wonderful experience I mean, they analyze every little bit of information to get the perfect fitting just for you. Um, Again, I was blown away by the PXG Black Ops driver. PXG made me a believer. They'll do the same for every golfer in Kansas City. Visit pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting at PXG Kansas City. Uh, That is 7517 West 119th Street in Overland Park. Get fitted for any club and you'll get a dozen golf balls free that's pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting pxg.com slash arrowhead limit one dozen golf balls per person promotion ends june 30th other terms and conditions may apply see store for details
1: at highland we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes there's no customer pain point too small for us to help with Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. This is the story of the one. As
0: head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working...
2: Uh, Brett, with the receiving core, obviously you have a lot of new faces this year, including Juju Smith-Schuster. What are some of the traits that Juju brings to this offense that made him an an attractive free agent target this summer?
4: Yeah, well, we, um, in the last couple of years, you know, I know it was mentioned that when when Sammy left, we were were looking to kind of fill that position. And Juju is a guy that, um, he's he's a big physical presence. He plays He plays extremely, you know, tough inside and and I think, you know, the ability to kind of pair him with a guy like Kelsey in the intermediate game is is something that, you know, I think you guys saw when when Sammy was healthy, we operate at such a high level and it's such a a big part in in what we do in this offense. And when we didn't have Sammy, you know, in there at times, you know, I think it it showed and I think so early on a couple of years ago, you know, we we, we tried to, um, to get Juju here and it didn't work out. And I think. That drive to get him a couple years ago, I think, ultimately helped us down the line because we were able to, um, you know, pick pick those conversations up once again. But I think, um, just in general, I mean, he's a he's a reliable target. I mean, he's. One of those guys that if you put the ball anywhere within his you know catch radius, he typically comes comes down with the football, and then he's tough to tackle just being a bigger guy after the catch. And, and can't have enough of those guys. And you know he's done a great job so far. And I think you know the receiving group as a whole, I think it's been cool to see from where we started in the OTAs with a bunch of new pieces, um, and now getting two three weeks into camp here, you're starting to see that chemistry. And you're starting to get um, to see Pat have a feel for these guys and what each one can do and what what their strengths are.
3: You know, last thing from me, Brett, and I appreciate the time. I'm curious. Your draft classes, you mentioned at the top, this is a bigger class. You drafted 10 kids, you had 12 picks, End up taking 10. In other drafts, you've traded the first round pick away, whether it was to get a veteran, um, usually to get a veteran under Orlando Brown, Frank Clark. What is your draft philosophy when you're trying to look at, hey, we're going for it every year, right? You have Patrick Mahomes, you've got the super talented team, you've got a great coaching staff, but you don't want to hamstring the team long term, how do you kind of try to balance that and, and have a healthy marriage of the two
4: ideas? Well, I think as far as, you know, the draft philosophy, we look at that twofold. I mean, we marry that up with the free agency plans, you know, right off the bat. And I think anytime you go into a transaction period, you certainly want to um, emphasize the draft and, and get those. that young talent under under rookie contracts but at the same time uh, the free agency class is different every year and the draft classes are different in regards to depth and i think we do a good job of being really proactive early on and we're in there as a personnel staff in in early november through december looking at the free agency class Uh, at the same time most of your college grades are kind of getting finalized and getting in there so you kind of get a raw idea of numbers now there's a lot of more tape to watch and we'll certainly finish up the pro stuff, uh, early on. And then there's a lot more college to get, but I think the first kind of like our thought processes and just seeing, you know, what's real and, and what's not real in regards to availability in the fringe class and then, you know, depth in, in the draft classes. And, you know, once we get that information, we're always going to defer the draft class. So if we feel like, you know, we're going to have a need, whether it be a corner or uh, offensive line or what have you, like, if we feel confident in, in the numbers, then you know, our, our plan is going to defer to the draft. But if we also feel like it's going to be, you know, depending on how many picks we have and, and where we're picking the draft and the rounds and the numbers, you know, if we think we're less likely to, to attack them in the draft, then we're going to get a little bit more aggressive in free agency. I think we, you've seen that over the years. You know, whether it be you know what we're picking in number wise with defensive end and Frank Clark, or tackle wise with Orlando but I think you've also seen that with on the flip side with the cornerback position and, and you know knowing that you have chances that guys like Fenton and Snead and, and you know this year we think we have some, some young guys in, in Washington Williams that I think you know kind of exemplify that so I think you know our first line of thought is let's look at where the numbers are and if we can A first attack us in the draft let's do it if, if we have to get a little aggressive because of you know the lack of numbers or, or you know can we get someone in here to fill this role for this season uh, whether it be a defensive end or a left tackle then let's take a swing and you know I think that you know, that's kind of the approach that, that we've utilized. And, and, you know, you can always tweak things throughout the year. And I think we're constantly learning and evolving. But, uh, you know, I think that we're fortunate because um, we have great coaching staff and, and we're able to add this, you know, these young guys. And, you know, I mentioned the, the Sneeds and the Fens and the Shervair wards in a trade. I, I think our coaches have done a great job of getting these young guys up to speed. And I look forward to a couple of these guys in, uh, in this class doing the same. He
3: is Brett Veach, the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, taking a few minutes out of a very busy day as the Chiefs wrap-up camp to come on the Arrowhead Attic podcast, talk to myself and Patrick. And so, Brett, we appreciate it very much. Best of luck here through the rest of preseason. And then starting September 11th, the regular season, as you guys try to go back to the AFC title game, maybe a little bit further this year. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Brett. Be back, guys. Great, great catching up.
2: All right. That was Brett Veach. From the Kansas City Chiefs. Boy, that was a lot of fun, Verderam, was it not?
3: That was. And you know, look, I, I know I said at the end of the interview that we taped earlier this afternoon, but I want to thank Brett again, the Chiefs, and, and their PR staff for helping to set it up. They were first class. And Ted and Brad.
2: Wow. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, to those yeah. guys.
3: Yes. Ted and Brad, first class. Really appreciate all their help. Uh, look, today's a lot of moving parts for those guys. They're leaving St. Joe's or getting ready for another preseason game in a few days. So hopefully uh, all of you enjoyed this. And listen, if you are new to the Arrowhead Attic podcast and you are listening to this because you're listening for Brett Veach, A, I don't blame you, B, subscribe to the YouTube channel. This is the kind of content you're going to get. One week it might be this. Another week it might be Chris Jones coming on after an overtime win in Los Angeles. (laughs) Who knows? You never know. But, again, thank you to Brett Veach for taking the time. Really appreciate it. We know he does not do many interviews. Usually, it's a couple of pressers a year, um, and and Brett is in the shadows, as most GMs are. So, very, very nice uh, of him to to come out and and support the Athletic Podcast with a little bit of time. We appreciate it. And I don't know about you, Patrick. Look, I first of all, I thought he said a lot of interesting things. Yep. I thought the most interesting thing in terms of this season. I love the Willie Gay story, which we'll get to here. But in terms of this season. He made it pretty clear, in fact, very clear, that he feels very good about this rookie class. You think about what the class was last year and how yeah. great it was and how well it performed right away. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he said, essentially, look, we think this class can contribute in a similar fashion. That's high praise. That, that's major praise considering you had Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, uh, you know, and, and, and then Nick Bolton as well you don't have much left to the imagination at that interview. At least I don't That they're going to rely on these kids and they're not afraid to do it. And that's a very good thing for them
2: moving forward. Yeah, it's really exciting. And, 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 and more closely to what he said was he said, um, you know, young guys stuck out to him that they're making an impact. And he said that over the last few comparing it to the classes of the last few years, they're right at the top as far as getting the playbook. And the one thing that really stood out to me was coaches trust. Uh, we know Andy Reid. He's been around a long time. Coaches prefer. They like veterans, right? They like guys who know that, you know, they, they trust. They know where they're going to be. They don't want mistakes. These are high stakes games, every one of them. Um, and the same thing with Steve Spagnolo on defense. We know Steve Spagnolo, He's putting Ben Neiman out there, right? He's putting Dan Sorensen out there. He likes those veterans. So to hear that from, from the GM that these young guys on defense and offense are gaining the trust of the coaches. That's really big. That goes a long way towards them getting playing time and being out there. And the fact of the matter is for the Chiefs to achieve their goals this year, they're going to need these young guys in the way that Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey stepped up last year. They're going to need Sky Moore. They're going to need Isaiah Pacheco to make an impact if they want to get back to the Super Bowl. And it sounds like they're right on track, maybe ahead of schedule.
3: Yeah, look, I think, you know, it, it was not hidden against the Bears where they had Pacheco with the, the ones and they had Karloftis with the ones and they had McDuffie, of course, with the ones. But also, you know, we saw Joshua Williams get a lot of time. We saw Jalen Watson, who we mentioned in, on Saturday, but maybe not enough. He got a lot of time. Jalen Watson played a lot and he played pretty well. You know, all those guys, you know, Br- Brian Cook played a good amount in the first half of the game, right? Leo Chenal yeah. didn't play it all the second half. He played the whole second half. He led the team in tackles. So this is a group they're very clearly high on. And I also, look, you know they like the corners when they're cutting vets. Okay, Lonnie Johnson and DeAndre Baker getting cut early, which they're trying to do those right. guys a favor. But they wouldn't be doing them a favor if they didn't think that these kids could play. They think these kids can play. So I, I think there's a real chance that half of the depth chart for corners are rookies which is nuts, but I don't think they're scared of it. And so that, again, is a credit not only to Brett Veach. He'd be the first one to tell you. It's also the scouting department and the front office as a whole, right, and everybody working together. And apparently Willie Gay moonlighting as a scout, okay, (laughs) who who is aware of Nick Bolton. All this stuff matters. And look, when you have a quarterback, you're paying the way they're paying Mahomes, even though that deal is very advantageous for them. I also do believe that when when you look at the way they've drafted – That's how you stay competitive when you're paying a quarterback big money. You draft and you have these young, cheap contracts for three, four years. Well, the Chiefs have drafted their rear ends off the last couple of years. And it is paying. And if they did it again this year, all the better. But obviously, they're very happy with the early returns.
2: Yeah, and when you're a a team that's as good as the Chiefs and you have a lot of veterans and you've got Super Bowl aspirations, sometimes it can be hard for young guys to crack the lineup. But when they can we know that this is incredibly advantageous for the team because now you're getting more, obviously they're on rookie contracts. You're getting run out of those guys sooner rather than later. Yep. And they they're more cost effective than veterans, nothing against veterans veterans have their place too. But if you can find young guys to step in and start playing right away, then it it enables you to, to give money to a Travis Kelsey and say, Hey man, thanks for everything. You're incredible. We just want to give you a raise because you're incredible. It enables you to keep your top end pro bowl style players. That's how you end up keeping a Creed Humphrey. You want to keep, you want to keep a, an all pro center on the roster. That can be difficult. You, you find young guys, you draft well. Well, now it gets a lot easier to, to that cat flexibility. I, I always think about the NBA and the golden state warriors. And one of the reasons why they had so much success, they were able to sign Kevin Durant because they went and drafted studs and they had them cost controlled and they were able to go in and bring a big free agent and they weren't over leveraged. That's what the Chiefs will need to do if they want to get into that dynasty territory or keep keep going back to AFC championship games. So that's really exciting. Let's talk about the thing that you just mentioned—the the, the Willie Gay story. Absolutely fascinating. Obviously, we asked Brett, you know, uh, about those two linebackers who are going to play such a big role for the Chiefs and who are such interesting players. And he said that Willie Gay told him, "Hey, man, check out this Nick Bolton guy." He was aware of Nick Bolton, and now I'm sure I'm sure Nick Bolton was already on Brett Veach's radar. But the fact that that one of his own players said, "Hey, check this guy out." Somebody who I'll have to play next to. He mentioned, you know, a lot of players you know, they might get a little weird about, oh, well, this guy could come in who plays the same position as me, not Willie Gay. Um, that's really exciting. What was your take on that conversation? It was a great story.
3: Uh, you know, apparently Bolton and Gay had a little bit of a, a pre existing uh, friendship relationship before the draft where Bolton was taken. And look, I, you know what? It's, I think it's always. It's always fun to hear those stories where a player is the one who's like, yeah, hey, you know, I've been watching this guy. This guy would be good. This guy would be good for us. And that, that stuff is really, A, fun, I, I think. I think it's really interesting. But also, it's instructive on that organization, on how they work, that Willie Gay felt confident, confident and comfortable enough at that point, as, as he's just finishing up his rookie year, to go to the general manager of the team and go, yeah, you know, I, I feel good about this guy. You should take a look at him. Like, that's that doesn't happen in every organization. Uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of guys who would feel really comfortable in every building in the NFL going up to the GM as a young kid. I mean, this isn't Mahomes or Kelsey, okay? And say, hey, look, I I think this guy's good. But also, if you listen to the story, Veach mentions that that Gay walked up to him to talking about the draft. And then, you know, yeah, he asked Willie, why did you ask me? Like, it wasn't just a blow-by conversation. It was, well, why? What is your thought process? It worked out pretty damn well. Nick Bolton has turned out to be a heck of a player. Willie Gay, if I had to pick one guy this year that I think is going to really emerge nationally for them, it's him. Like, I I could see him being the guy halfway through the year where people nationally are like, who the hell is that? Like, who is this guy? Because I don't think many people know who he is. He didn't play a ton as a rookie last year. He was hurt at the beginning of the year. He started to come on late. But, you know, they, they were rotating him through. But I thought that story with Veach was just instructive more than anything on how they operate, how they talk through things. You know, you remember when Tyreek Hill got traded. They they talked to Mahomes beforehand. Now, it's Mahomes, right? It's different. But the point remains, there's always an open line of communication. That's critical. That's key. And apparently, it helped them to land what looks to be a very, very good player in the middle of their defense.
2: It's really a tribute to, I think, their coaching staff as well. A guy like Willie Gay comes out and you read scouting reports and you hear draft analysis of, hey, this guy's really athletic, he's really talented, but he's really raw. He needs seasoning. And how many times do you see those same players, they never become anything in the league. They they don't right. materialize, they don't take the next step, they're not able to take all that incredible athletic ability that they have and, and put it into practice. And it seems like Willie Gay has been coached up really well. The chiefs have been a little bit patient with him. They've brought him along and now he's ready for prime time. And I mean, you see it on the film. I, we were, I was looking at a tweet that you had after the bears preseason game of a clip of his just closing speed, keeping up with receivers out of the backfield. It's, it's, it's really remarkable, and I, I agree with you. hes uh, I've been on the record on this show. I think he's going to make a massive impact for the Chiefs defense this year. He's getting the sideline-to-sideline side speed, which, look, the Chiefs are going to need. The, it's a track meet in the AFC, and even just in the AFC West. So Going up against teams like the Bills, trying to defend a guy like Lamar Jackson and, 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 and Josh Allen, who can run and like to get outside the pocket and move, you want a guy like Willie Gay out there so that you can stop the stop the run and stop those quarterbacks. And um man, I'm I'm fired up. I'm probably most excited about Willie Gay this season.
3: Yeah. Uh look, their their second unit there, their, their linebacking core, second level, I should say, has been a weak spot for them in some recent years where they haven't been athletic there. They haven't been able to run. Well, now they have this group that, if anything, it might be the strength of their defense. Uh, you know, now you could argue if Karloftis is really good, well, maybe it's a defensive line. But that's a fun argument to have. You're not arguing it because you're like, well, these, none of them can play. So who's the best? Well, no, you are looking. You know, I think they really can all play. There, there's really a lot of talent. There's a lot of versatility. I thought it was interesting, you know, in Brett talking about that. And then also later in the interview, talking about draft philosophy and how essentially they just, they look at, okay, which positions are going to be deep? Which ones aren't? Where do we like this guy? Where do we like that? It affects their free agency plans that none of that's like earth shattering, but I think when you have a core competency plan that works for you and you've had success off of, and you can implement it year in and year out, like obviously they can with that, that leads to you going into an off season with a head start on a lot of teams, because while other teams are changing GMs and changing coaches and changing pro personnel directors, and she's like look, we've been doing this the same way for how many years now? Like we know exactly what we're doing. And, you know, and look with stuff like that, you know, guys like Brett Veach. I mean, they're they're two three years out in some regard, right? Like they, right. Not that not that they have a big board for twenty twenty five, but you better believe they have an idea of what the, the class is going to be strong in next year and then the year after. You know, they they know that now. It can of course adjust, but I think you know this year. I guarantee you, if you sat down with Brett Veach or one of his top lieutenants in his front office and said. Give me five guys you're watching this year that are under the radar that you like. I, I bet you they can probably give you 20. but that's that's their job and having that plan in place, understanding how it works, understanding the process, I think is a huge benefit to the
2: Chiefs. And it's worked wonders over the years. Agreed. What I got from that answer, and as you said, not earth shattering, right? Yeah, we evaluate the team. We look at the draft. We look at our positioning, so on and so forth. And we make the best decisions for our team. And while that might sound obvious, a lot of NFL front offices do not work that way. They get stuck in a certain type of dogma and they're like, this is how we do things. You know, we're, we're only stockpiling picks. We really value picks and they, and they they jettison players and they do it one way. And I think what Brett Veach has done since he's gotten to Kansas city is demonstrate that he's going to do what's best for the Kansas city chiefs. What he believes is the best move for the, he's going to talk to Andy Reed. He's going to talk to Patrick Mahomes and make moves that are going to be best for the team. And if that means trading away a first round pick, to get a pass rusher, they're going to do it. If they like their options in the draft, they're going to do that. And, and when he talked about their strategy in the first round of the draft this year, following the the first night, he talked about like, hey, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't sure that Trent McDuffie was going to be there, but he had a plan. Right? He was willing to be flexible with that plan. And I think that's really smart because when you're un, un, unyielding, in in any area of your life, I think that's where you start to get into trouble because it prevents you from making the right moves at the right time. So I think chiefs fans should be really excited about the GM that they have in Brett beach. They may not hear from him a lot. Um, He does his work behind the scenes, but knowing that, um, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's making smart decisions for the team. And that he's not going to back the chiefs into a corner of one way of doing things. I think his way of doing things is winning football games and trying to win rings. And Hey man, so far, so good in the Brett Veach era.
3: But you know what? He sold me the the offseason prior to them winning the Super Bowl. And and the reason I say that is he went out and that team, if you remember, okay, 2018, went to the AFC title game, had a magical run, went to the doorstep of the Super Bowl, and they lose. And defensively, they were awful that year. But the one thing about them was they could rush the passer. They led the league in sacks, right? Houston had a big year. Ford had a big year. Jones had a big year. And so a lot of the conversation was at the time, well, they've got to rebuild the back seven, but they've got these edge rushers. And, you know, listen, maybe they're going to move on from Houston because he's making a lot of money, but they're going to have to re-sign Ford. I mean, that was a
0: huge,
3: huge conversation point. And Brett Beach, to his undying credit, absolutely tore that defense down to the studs traded the Ford for a second-round pick, which a lot of people at the time, including myself, were very, very nervous about. Like, well, I, I don't know if that's the right thing. Well, how'd that work out? That worked out okay. They went out and they got Frank Clark. You said everything you want about Frank Clark. Like, and they do not win the Super Bowl that year without Frank Clark. So they go out and they get him. They signed Tyron Matthew, which now seems like a no-brainer. At the time, he was about to be on his third team in three years. There, I mean, Landon Collins got double the money that offseason that Tyron Matthew got. OK, they they went out and completely tore out that defense like a home renovation to the studs and then came back the next year. And early on in the year, that defense was, was not great. It was very, very uneven. The second half of the year, they were the best defense in football points wise. They were killing teams game in and game out. They won the Super Bowl. And to me, it wasn't so much the result. I mean, obviously, the result is what you're looking for. But it was the process of I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to say, well, we were so close. I'm just going to make a little tweak. And he was like, no, our defense stinks. I'm ripping this thing out and I'm overhauling it. And I will live with the consequences. I gave him a lot of credit for that at the time last year. You saw that with the offensive line. They didn't sit around and, well, we're going to plug in a mid-level guy. No, they went out and they got, in my opinion, the best guard on the market last year in Tooney. They traded when nobody thought they could trade for Orlando Brown, traded for Brown. They draft Humphrey. They draft Smith. Like You see that. And this year, similar to a couple of years ago, they, they have remodeled this defense. This is a yeah. much, much, much different defense and a much different receiver's room. Brett Beach is n- not afraid to just make wholesale changes. And if you look around the league, how many GMs really do that with good teams, right? Very, very few. It's, it's a part here. It's a part there. We're going to make a tweak. We're going to hope for the best. Ve- Veach clearly does not
2: believe hope is a strategy
3: because he goes yeah. all in. and I, And I think it's a great way to go about it. And it has largely served him well.
2: Yeah, it absolutely has. Uh, it's cool to have a GM that's so decisive and be like, all right, we've got a problem. We're going to fix the problem. And like you said, not just put a band aid on it, not just throw some duct tape on it, but really try to fix the problem and, and double down. And even with the pass rush this year, you know, we're coming into the season and everyone's a little nervous. Well, Frank Clark hasn't been great. And, you know, and, and what does Brett Beach know that we didn't know? Now, we don't know how this is all going to turn out, but what does he know that we didn't know? Frank Clark had a had a conversation with Andy Reid, committed himself to getting in better shape, making some changes so he can be the best version of himself. That's something he knows that we don't know going into the draft. He's out there. He's studying the tape of George Carl office. Looked pretty damn good in game in game one. Preseason? Yeah. Sure. But you see the talent there. If the Chiefs coaching staff could continue to coach him up, all of a sudden you're starting to feel a lot different about, about the pass rush. So good on him. I want to talk about his comments about um, – Ryan Poles. He was in in Chicago last Friday before the preseason game, having dinner with Ryan Poles. He didn't call me. We didn't get the invites. I don't know. It must have something must have happened. Maybe the place was booked up. They could only get a couple of chairs. That's clearly what happened there. But um, what do you think of that story about young Ryan Poles uh, in his first year as GM, coming in and getting up and leaving the leaving the table to take calls? Welcome to the life of an NFL GM. Right. I think I think that place is my picture on the wall.
3: Look. You know, it was an interesting story, but I, again, I think it's instructive of the, because your question was really good about, listen, you've been now on the job. He took over as the GM of the team in 2017. Like this is his sixth season as the chief general manager, five under his belt. And I think there is a thought of like, well, you know, how much different is that job compared to maybe what you thought it would be? Because anytime anybody takes a job in any walk of life, right? Like there are things that are surprising to you. I don't care what it is. That job think about all that goes on right like as a fan or even in my situation a media member like you think about the job as well you know, listen they've, they've got to make personnel decisions they've got to do contracts but the reality is a lot of what they do and brett highlighted it by saying you know the general manager is a lot of just dealing with with different situations and putting out a fire here and trying to make sure that this guy's okay and that coach is taken care of and no look, I think he'd be the first one to tell you. We didn't have enough time to get into it. Having Andy Reid there, I'm sure, is huge for him because those two have a huge relationship all the way back to his days in Philadelphia. I mean, they have been together, joined at the hip for pretty much 20 years. Okay, and and Brett is in his mid 40s. So Brett has known Andy basically half his life. And I'm sure while Andy's not involved anymore, like he was in Philly on the personnel side, he's a he's a very experienced NFL guy to kind of, you know, uh, ask a question to maybe, you know, chew the fat with. But I do think that for Veach, yeah, it had to be a huge learning curve like it is for anybody. When you come in and look, he came into a team that was good. You know, it wasn't like he came into a team that wasn't good. And that may sound like I'm saying, well, his job was easier. I actually think in some ways, it's like, yeah, maybe personalized it was. But when you come into that, there's an expectation that you keep it going, that you keep rolling. And I remember very distinctly when he was at the podium prior to their 2018 season for Mahomes, it, it started, well, he started one game and he was like, yeah, he's I, I, again, paraphrasing, but basically said at the podium in Indianapolis, he's one of the best football players I've ever seen. And I mean, that, like, that's one of those things, like if you're wrong with that, like if he turns into Paxton right. Lynch, right? Like you're a yeah. meme for the rest of your life, but yeah. well, he was right. It worked out. Okay. Ended up winning the MVP that year. But I, I really do believe, you know, that's a It's a good situation to walk into, but it's also a hard one because you're, your pressure is ratcheted up and at the time he took them over they never had any damn postseason success ever okay but yeah i think it's it's been fascinating to watch him grow as a gm and him and brett being so young there's still such so many years you would imagine ahead where you look at it and go okay well how is he going to evolve as the game evolves and how is he going to change his his dynamic but i do think you know now having five years under the under the belt of the job, I think you realize okay, this is what it entails. It entails a lot
2: more than just hammering out an extension. Absolutely. If you're just joining us, this is the Arrowhead Addict podcast. At the top. We interviewed Kansas City Chiefs GM Brett Veach. If you're looking for that interview as soon as this podcast is over, it'll be available once things render up here uh, on the YouTube channel. We'll break that out for you. And you can also head over to arrowheadattic.com where our guy, Matt Connor, one of the co-hosts of this podcast, has got a few articles up there with some of the transcripts and information about what Brett said. Uh, So you'll be able to get it all here. And if you you like this kind of content, like Matt said, first of all, make sure you're subscribed to this YouTube channel. If you want to go a little bit deeper with our Kansas City Chiefs community, consider becoming a member. There's information in the link in the description. You can hang out with us in a private discord. Our members knew that this was coming a little bit before everybody else did. Um, we give just a little bit of a heads up so that um, you know. there's all kinds of benefits if you're interested in supporting the show. So check that out. Um, before we move on to Washington, let's just talk about his comments about Juju Smith-Schuster really quickly. I wanted to get your reaction to that, M. obviously he's a guy that the chiefs, we, we had heard reports that they were pursuing him Last offseason, it didn't come to fruition. Brett confirmed that and said he actually thought that the pursuit of Juju Smith Schuster last offseason helped them finally land him this season and talked a little bit about the physicality that he brings to this offense and fills a void left by Sammy Watkins. And you and I talked about Sammy Watkins a lot on the show and what how we thought the Chiefs were a little bit of a different offense was when he was on the field because of his blocking ability, his size. And it sounds like Brett Veach lined up with that thinking. And, and he likes that Juju brings some of that to the table. But what was your take on, on what he said about Juju?
3: Yeah, I think he talked interestingly about the fact he sees him as a real intermediate complement to Travis Kelsey. So, which I think we've all talked about. You know, he's a big bodied guy. He's a guy who you can run him over the middle. You can, you can do those types of things. And he can wall a defender off. He can run a guy over for an extra few yards. I, I have been on record as saying, I think of all the receivers that they brought in, that Juju might have the biggest impact. Because I think he can do the most things. And look, th- there's a reason they've targeted him for two years, right? I mean, this, this wasn't like, well, we are out of options. So now we're going to go to Juju. They, they want it for two years. And I'm very, very interested to see how this shakes out. Look, the guy is good hands. He's a good route runner. He's big and physical. He can run. Like one thing about Juju, he, he's a big guy but he also, you could run him on a go ball and he can now on this team, I don't know how many go balls he's running for, right? Because on this team, you've got MVS, you've got Hardman, you've got Sky Moore. Like, I, I don't know that you're going to ask Juju to run a bunch of nine routes, but man, I, I love his fit in the offense. And obviously Brett does too, having tried to get him here for the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about just this whole offense. I'm just excited to see how it goes. Rich Eisen was talking about it today on his show at, yeah, everyone's starting to figure out. Like, oh, wait a second. This th- these guys still have Patrick Mahomes. They've got Andy Reid. These guys. I think
3: Patrick, you froze for a second, but I think that look, I can. Oh, am I back? You're back now. Yes, but I think okay. your, your your point is your point was, and I I think understood and well taken. A <laughs> good point, that Yeah, they have a lot of options. They have a lot of options where. I think, like, and I'm not, obviously, I'm not trying to take a shot at the guy. Like Demarcus Robinson got cut yesterday by the Raiders, okay? He was one of their first cuts. Demarcus Robinson played six years in Kansas City. He was a mid-round pick for them. He had some nice moments. He was their number three receiver last year. Like, I mean, maybe you want to argue four, you know, if you look like at Pringle. Okay, fine. I mean, obviously, Hardman is above him. But Robinson played a lot of snaps. A lot of snaps. And he couldn't make anywhere near the final roster for the Raiders. And you look at that and go, no, that, that's like, I mean, he wasn't like a little minor depth piece last year. He played. Well, on this team, I mean, Demarcus Robinson would not make this team. He'd just not make it. And they have and they have so many guys who would do respect to him. He wouldn't even sniff the top four this year, right? So right. Yep. they have done a much better job of building it out. Look, if there was always, if there was one complaint about them offensively last year, and it was a fair one, although a minor one, considering how good they were offensively, they're very top heavy, right? They had... Two weapons that really scared the hell out of you, but the rest of the group was again with due respect to guys like Pringle and C H. Like they're they're guys. They're complementary pieces that you can find year in year out. The Chiefs are hoping that if you can put out a Juju, Kelsey, Hardman, Sky Moore, MVS, like it, it just becomes very very hard to say. Well, we're going to bracket this guy and we're going to roll coverage that way. Well, good, good luck good luck because it's very, very hard to do that and leave somebody else one-on-one, right? You know, especially with it looks like this year, they're going to throw more to the backs like Pacheco. So there's a lot of uh, well-roundedness to this offense that maybe there wasn't in previous years.
2: Yeah. Defenses are going to have to play the entire field because they're not going to know where it's coming from. Um, All right. Let's talk chiefs commanders really quickly before we get out of here. How long do you expect to see the starters play in this one? There's only remember there's only three preseason games now into the second quarter into the second quarter. I, if, if they struggle early or maybe
3: you know they, they, they can't get into quite the rhythm they want to, maybe they play a full half. I, I don't think, though, they're going to play much in the third game. So I would think this is probably when you're going to see those starters play at least a couple series. I would even say maybe three series. Andy likes to play his guys. Like a lot of coaches yeah. now, they won't play them at all. The Chiefs like to do that. And so I would expect that you're going to see – the starters at least into the second, maybe to the end of the quarter. Um, but I, I don't think Andy pushes it too far. I mean, in the end, the, the, you want to get out of there healthy. Obviously, today they had a few injuries. They don't sound significant. Uh, you know, Jones left really the beginning of practice today with a sore back. Juju's been nursing a sore knee for a few days. These are bumps and bruises, or at least it sounds like bumps and bruises. From camp, these things happen. I do want to watch the back injury on Jones. Though. Anytime you got a 300-pound guy with a back problem, that, that's always something to monitor. Could just be something he pulled during a weight lift. But, you know, you've got that Hardman, which caused a kerfuffle uh, kerfuffle on uh, Twitter today. He's carded off. you got people writing articles. Like, basically, it sounds like he's going to be out for three years. (laughs) Right. Now it sounds like, yeah, look, it might be a minor groin issue and, and should be okay. So I would expect the Chiefs to get working, but pr- protect their guys at the same time.
2: Not only do you get interviews with Brett Veach on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, you get Matt Verteram dropping vocabulary words on you like kerfuffle. I mean, that's Took a good job. That's, that's right. That's right. I think you got the pronunciation right. So when you're looking at this game this weekend, obviously objective number one, nobody get hurt. Objective number two, evaluate some of these players, get the the dress rehearsal that you're maybe looking for here. Who are you going to be watching? We did this last week. We talked about three pillars specifically. I don't think we need to do that this week. But just are, who, who are you going to be watching this week a little extra closely after after you get a little taste of what the Chiefs have to offer in week one?
3: Honestly, I know it sounds like a broken record. I said the same thing about week one, the rookies. Because I know yeah. what a lot of these guys are. Right? like I'm not going to sit there like, hey, you got to make sure I watch uh, Joe Tooney closely. I mean, Joe Tooney is going to smoke whoever he's in front. Like, it doesn't matter. Right? Like, I'm not – I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes. Like, even if Mahomes went out there and went three of 10, like, what, am I going to have a panic over that? Like, right. it's fine. who cares? It doesn't matter. I want to see if Carl Loftus can back up what he did against Chicago. Okay? Washington is an average football team. They're not They're not anywhere near as bad as the Bears. I'm curious to see. Like, if he dominates this line, then you're like, okay, now nah, it's two weeks in a row here. And again, it's better competition. So I want to see him. I want to see McDuffie in, in what I'm assuming is going to be more action than six snaps. Okay? I want to see him play out. He looks very, very good on film. I'd like to see him again. I'd like to see Sky Moore, uh, maybe get a little run with Mahomes and, and see if there's anything there, especially if, if Juju and Hardman don't play in this game. You would think you're going to get a lot of run out of guys like Watson, a guy like Moore, right, MVS. So I'm going to be looking at those young kids, you know, Joshua Williams, Isaiah Pacheco. What do you
2: got? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to be watching Carl Loftus really closely when, when he's out there on defense uh, just to see. Can he can he back it up? Can he do some of those things that he was doing last week? Also, now they're they're not gonna be like massively game planning for this, but there's a little bit of tape on the sky. It even started to happen during the Bears game, where they talked about it on the broadcast that once once Carloftus started making some noise in there, the other the, the guards started to pay a little bit of attention to him because now you're making an impact. So you know, Washington's going to come into this game and they're going to be like, all right, keep an eye on this guy. So does he see a double team? How does he handle that? You know, does he get chipped with a back? How does he handle that? Those are all things I'll be looking for. And I'm with you. I think Isaiah Pacheco, in fact, while we were on this podcast, a clip came out of Eric Enemy talking a little bit about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Now, I haven't watched the clip yet because we're doing the show. But what everybody's saying on Twitter is that Enemy said that CEH needs to work on his conditioning a little bit. That's not something you really want to hear. That's not ideal on August 17th. <laughs> yeah, No, no. Um, So I don't know exactly what the what, what the bottom of that is or why he said that or what's going on. But when you're looking at Isaiah Pacheco and the fact that he's getting run with the ones and you hear a comment like that, I'm not saying it means anything. But what I am saying is if you're Isaiah Pacheco, you better be paying attention. Um, because you may have an opportunity here on your hands. Same, same goes for Ronald Jones and and, and Jarek McKinnon. You know, this we've said this backfield is up for grabs, and I, I really think it's true.
3: I will tell you right now that I, I have not seen the comment, and I'd like to actually see it and I'd like to see it in its full context. But if that was said, uh, yeah, it matters quite a bit. Like that, that would. Lend me to believe it speaks more to than just hey you know yeah we'd like them to run a few more gassers. It's like are you really that committed? Right? Like, are you really that committed? Like this is a huge year for you. Yeah. Your your endurance is a problem. That's I, again I want to see the whole comment and I want to see the whole clip because I haven't. Yeah. And and you know sometimes things get taken out of context. But if if you know look if you're if you're Clyde Edwards Alaire and frankly if you're anybody on the team you need to be in the best possible shape. It's a National Football League. There's there's no other way around that. That being said, again, haven't seen the clip. Um, and I would expect that the way things are shaping up, he and Pacheco are going to be guys who are going to get a pretty good amount of run. I mean, Pacheco coming out with the first team and then leaving with the first team in Chicago tells you plenty about what Andy Reid thinks of him. So it's, it's definitely something to know.
2: Yeah, and actually, you know, I'm seeing some other tweets here that some people might be saying that what the enemy was talking about was that, that he has improved his conditioning or that the conditioning is important. And it could be, And again, I just hate to even continue speculating, but it could be that, you know, we talked about how last year Clyde had lost a lot of weight and was dealing with some of those things uh, from his surgery. And so, you know, last season, could conditioning have been uh, an issue for him? Absolutely. If you lost a bunch of weight and you're trying to get back in football shape really quickly. So um, we'll dig into that and look for more on Arrowhead Attic. We're going to get out of here. We've got a a hard out. Uh, By the way, Virgum, real quick. I went to the Dairy Queen last week because I had to go to the doctor and I was uptown and I was by the Dairy Queen. Do you know they got a a Reese's Take Five Blizzard now?
3: I didn't, but I know there's a Dairy Queen about five
2: minutes down the street, and so that's going to have to be checked out. It's it's pretty damn good. It's pretty. It's not my favorite of the seasonals, um, but it's got some of the. It's got definitely got some of the ingredients from the drumstick Blizzard in there, so it's a win. So for it has to be
3: said. So I'm driving back, and I know we have a hard out, so I'll be brief. Thirteen-hour drive, New York to Chicago. Oh, outside Chicago, and I pull off in a rest stop in Indiana, which normally sounds like the start of a horror movie, but in this case, I get out. I'm like, all right, I'll get a, you know, I'll get a drink and, you know, I'll get a water and whatever, and get get ready for the last three hours of the trip. Uh-huh. And I walk up to the counter, and there's a Reese's, like not like a regular Reese's peanut butter cup, but like one of those, like you know, they have like the Reese's trees, the Reese's egg, whatever. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah,
3: sure. So they have those at the front, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, what the hell season is it? And then like, I know like, in some of these stores, these places are insane and already have Halloween candy. Yeah. So I was like, my God, is it a Halloween? Is it like a pumpkin? I mean, whatever it was, I was going to get it. It was regardless. But I was like, what, what the hell is that? It was a football. I would never Whoa. seen one before, and I, I was like, that's that's happening. If they yeah. had had a six-pack, I would have eaten the whole thing on the way home. But I got one <laughs> as a person, yeah. but – I was like, that, that's awesome. Like, what a smart move by Reese's, which, by the way, sponsors the Senior Bowl. Love the Senior Bowl. One of the best parts of it, you clean house on the free Reese's. It's amazing. Yeah. The first time I went down there, I almost went in a kidney failure. I so much <laughs> Reese's. But- it was anyway. The, the Reese's football caught me by surprise. It was awesome.
2: Yeah, it's incredible, man. Um, I love, uh, I love all of the Reese's that they put out every year. It's a, it's an exciting, most wonderful time. You know they have a, the giant Reese's cup now that you can get. Oh yeah, uh, it's basically like the size of a pie. That's something that would be really dangerous for me. Um, don't want to get you know get the diabetes, but could could just be no, unavoidable at this point. So, yeah, Reese's, if you're listening, they are a headache podcast. We need sponsors coming up here for the season. So, uh, I mean, you know, you've got two of your biggest fans right here. All right, everybody, we are going to get out of here because we did this podcast today. We will not be live at our regular time tomorrow on Thursday. We're going to give ourselves a break, and uh, on Saturday. We'll be back with our usual Chiefs post-game show after the Chiefs take on the Commanders and injury-free stellar outing that we're all looking forward to. So make sure you join us. And again, if you want to become a member of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, check out the link in the description. If you want some Arrowhead Addict swag, somebody sent me a picture of their uh, Arrowhead Addict Podcast golf hat the other day. It was pretty, pretty good and right next to a, a Casey beer. Um, so but you love to see it. Uh, check out th- that link in the description to our store. And uh, again, the schedule will be back on Saturday after the chiefs commanders game. And then our regular schedule will resume next week, unless Patrick Mahomes decides he wants to come onto the show, in which case, We'll go live uh, whenever he wants. Uh, But you can find us on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 Arrowhead time on our YouTube channel. And make sure you follow us on TikTok at Arrowhead Attic Pod. We've got extra content on there. And, of course, read ArrowheadAttic.com for all of your Chiefs news and opinions. Thank you so much for listening. And, again, a special thanks to, uh, to, to Brad G and to Ted Cruz and, of course, to the man himself, Brett Beach, for joining us today. Uh, for Matt and my name is Patrick Allen. We'll see you this weekend. And as always, go Chiefs.